sneak up on you, scare you? I just had one of those moments. I would like to pray before we start. I, I, I sense that there's some things in the room that have to shift. So we're going to pray first. Um, and what I mean by that, for those that maybe aren't familiar with the language, is in a similar way that sometimes clouds have to move for the sun to shine. Sometimes you come across services where clouds have to move and the sun has to shine. And so I want to, I want to pray over the service before we start, before I start preaching. I know the service has started. I recognize that, but I want to pray. Father, I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would not only save us, but transform us in your presence. We ask that you would give us an atmosphere to hear you speak your word this morning, to change things, Lord, in our life, that as we hear your word, Lord, as we open our hearts to your word, something would shift, Lord, we pray for peace in the name of Jesus. We pray for the power of God to be in this place. Not outwardly or explosively, but just the power of Jesus as he walks into this room would change this room. So we come before you and we bring you our hearts and our minds, Lord. We bring you our thoughts. We bring you our expectations, Lord. And we ask for your perspective this morning. And we pray that nothing of the enemy will prosper. <laughs> no lie in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Some are like, that was super awkward for Palm Sunday, but oh well, oh well. It has to be done sometimes. Amen? Amen. amen. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. You know, just the idea that Jesus would get on a donkey that has never been ridden before is bizarre to me because I have donkeys and I have a confession to make. Last week, I actually tried to just sort of saddle one when no one was looking just to see what would happen if I 
tried to get on the back. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Kicking, running, gone. I mean, they're just, I just don't know how that was possible. But someone reminded me this morning that when the Prince of Peace sits on anything chaotic, untrained, out of order, something that's not quite right. When the Prince of Peace sits on a donkey that has never been ridden before, he brings peace. Order. So you might have come this morning and maybe your life is a little bit out of order. Not quite sorted, not in the boxes like everyone else on Instagram. (laughs) Maybe your life is swirling. Maybe you're looking for answers. Maybe you came here today hoping to hear something that would change your life. I invite you this morning to allow the Prince of Peace to settle and to sit on on your life on the throne within. You see, when the world hears the testimony of Jesus, they will come running after him. When the world hears the testimony of Jesus in our own lives, they will come running after him. They will search for him and look for him high and low and in every part of their lives, they will come running to him. And I want to talk about that this morning, that the whole world will run after Jesus. Today on Palm Sunday, we're going to journey about 3.2 kilometers from Bethany, the home of Mary and Martha, down to Jerusalem, or I should say up to Jerusalem, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem and they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. But most of our time together is actually going to be spent at Mary and Martha's house this morning. And so let's take a a little look into what was happening. And today specifically, I want to look at some of the perspectives of people that were at Mary and Martha's house and knew the story of Lazarus. I want to look through the perspective of the eyes of Lazarus, look through the eyes of Mary, look through the eyes of some of the religious leaders at the time, look at the, through the eyes of the crowd, and look through the eyes of Judas this morning. In other words, what was going on in their perspective a week before Jesus would die on the cross? So are we ready? Turn with me to John chapter 12. Verse 1 to 3. I did say, are we ready? And no one responded. Oh, we are ready. Okay, we are ready. Awesome, awesome. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. 
Now, this is quite the picture. Next week, we're going to be looking at the, the, the story of Jesus being resurrected and walking out of the tomb. And we celebrate Easter and we look forward to it. And, and yet here, we actually have a scene painted by John where resurrection is reclining at the table. I mean, Lazarus is sitting there at the table with Jesus. I think so many times we, we kind of just go right past this fact that we're looking forward to a resurrection and we celebrate the resurrection of the Son of God, but resurrection is actually not uncommon to Jesus. And it's not uncommon to Mary and Martha. In fact, it's the whole reason that they called this dinner is because Lazarus, their brother who was dead, is sitting there at the table. Resurrection happened ten times in Scripture, including the resurrection of Jesus. And so the scene is that Mary and Martha have this meal going on to honor Jesus, but to honor the testimony to honor the testimony that their brother, who was once dead, is now alive, and he's reclining at the table. They invited Jesus in, and their guest there was resurrection. It's quite powerful. You see, Lazarus reclining at the table was powerful and prophetic. It was powerful in the sense that he was dead for three days and Jesus raised him from the dead. It was also prophetic in that Jesus himself, one week later, would rise again. The Holy Spirit would raise Jesus from the dead. In our Christian faith, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. We talk about the fact that 500 witnesses saw Jesus raised from the dead. We talk about some of the facts that Jesus was prophesied that he would be resurrected throughout the Old Testament. And we connect scriptures from hundreds of years ago to point forward to the resurrection to try to prove that Jesus was resurrected. Some say that Maybe the disciples stole Jesus' body. Some people say that maybe Jesus never died. Some people are trying to deny the resurrection of Jesus because if they deny the resurrection of Jesus, the Christian faith just sort of crumbles. But resurrection has happened throughout Scripture. Resurrection is at the table in this story. Resurrection is right here this morning. In all of our lives, we that put our faith in Jesus Christ have already received resurrection power. We were once dead, but we are now alive. There are things in our life that were just dis out of order, and God brought order. There was brokenness in our relationships that God brought healing to, brokenness in our marriages that God brought healing to, a, a lost sense of direction in life. 
I remember when I was 19 years old and I'm mindlessly wandering throughout life trying to find an answer. And I looked high and low and I looked in every club in New York City and I looked in every drug and I looked in different kinds of friends and I was trying to find order to my disordered, disorganized life. And I could never find it. But then one day I came to Jesus and he gave me resurrection power. And I began living differently and making different decisions and and journeying with purpose and walking toward something meaningful in Jesus. And I was literally resurrected. There is resurrection power here. Right here. How could you deny that the resurrection existed when I am proof of resurrection power? This is the story. Lazarus is sitting at this table. Resurrection is sitting at this table. And I look around this room and I see resurrection. Now some are sitting here longing for resurrection. Longing for order. Longing for meaning. Longing for someone to turn the light on in your dark life. He is here. Jesus is here. He's sitting at a table. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says that Jesus stands at the door of our lives knocking. He is knocking. Whoever will open the door, he says, I will come in and dine. I will come in and recline at any table where the door has been opened to me, Jesus says. And I will step into your life and bring resurrection power. And he will be knocking until the doors open. The story of Palm Sunday begins at Mary and Martha's house. Through the eyes of a man who's been resurrected. Next, we have Mary. Mary, it says, took a pint of pure nard, basically a pint of perfume, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. My intention this morning was actually to pour out a pint of perfume right here. But I thought of those who are a little allergic, and I didn't. She poured it out onto Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance and the perfume. See, for Mary, resurrection happened to someone that she loves, and she was willing to pour a year's salary 
of perfume onto Jesus and wash his feet with her hair. In the, in the account, I believe it's in, in Luke's account, um, Mark's account. Mark's account says this. Mark 14 says that she broke it over his head. And John 12 says that she washed his feet with it. Now, is this a contradiction? No, I just believe that a pint of perfume could be broken over the head and flow all the way down the body of Jesus to his feet. And there she was at the bottom of his feet with her hair, washing his feet. I love the image that she broke this jar because she didn't plan on saving this jar. She didn't give him like a, you know, a little spritz of it. No, she was willing to take an entire year's salary and break it over Jesus' head and let the perfume just run down him and she was washing his feet with her hair. I mean, complete adoration. She didn't plan on keeping it. And the smell, could I say even the stench, would be wafting out of the home, into the street. People would be walking by. I mean, this is a lot of perfume. This would be like going to the mall at Christmas time. I don't know if they still do this, but have you been there? Where For me, it was always Macy's. Here, maybe the Bay or Sears, I'm not sure. But you had to, like, dodge these people spraying stuff at you. Buy this, buy that, buy you're trying to get around it and just, those are just sprays. Imagine a pint poured out and just the stench, the smell, the aroma. You see, um, a life poured out on Jesus will always leave a lasting aroma. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 says that a good name is better than perfume. The day of death better than the day of birth. A good name is better than perfume. You see, what the picture I have in my head is that I want to worship Jesus with my life. And as I worship Jesus with my life, that, that gives off this fragrance, that gives off this aroma, that gives off an effect. In other words, worshiping Jesus has an effect on my life. And long after I have died, long after I have gone, my kids will remember my worship. See, a good name, and I often share this at funerals, a good name will last long after a person has gone. In the same way that perfume lasts long after a person has left the room. A good name for generations to come will be remembered. I hope that it's written of me on my tombstone that he poured out his entire life 
for Jesus. But not everybody enjoyed Mary's worship. Welcome to the club, Mary. There's Judas. And Judas is reclining at the casino table. Judas says this. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. I love what John adds here. John adds this little snapshot into the life of Judas. He says this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. I never realized this. I've probably read it a hundred times. I've never realized this, but Judas was an active thief. He didn't just betray Jesus. Judas didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to now decide to sell out Jesus for money. No, the entire time of Jesus' ministry, Judas, the keeper of the money bag, was helping himself. And yet Jesus still called him to be a disciple. You know what makes a really bad usher in a church? <laughs> One that dips into the offering bag. You see, Judas didn't just wake up one day and decide to betray Jesus. No, throughout his whole life, he had these footholds. And an unchecked foothold will become a stronghold. And a stronghold will eventually become a stranglehold. Judas had an integrity issue. He had a foothold. He liked to help himself to the money bag. And that foothold became a stronghold in his life, and sadly and ironically, it became a literal stranglehold. Judas judged Mary's worship. Next, we have the religious leaders. The resurrection happened against them. <laughs> John chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had, he was, he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. I love this. Lazarus was resurrection. But the resurrection of Lazarus was getting a little bit too messy because everybody was hearing the testimony of Lazarus. And the religious leaders were threatened. So they wanted to kill Lazarus. 
to kill what Jesus had done. See, the story of Lazarus had gathered a large crowd because resurrection will always gather a large crowd. And it says that people were coming from all over to see Lazarus. They wanted to see the miracle. They wanted to see the testimony. They wanted to meet Jesus. And I could just imagine that this crowd is pressing in and they're looking for Lazarus. And as they're walking down the road looking for which home Lazarus is in, how do you think they find the house? They smell the perfume. The fragrance of Mary's worship. May our lives be worship to the Lord. Worship that draws people toward us to hear the testimony of resurrection. May our lives draw people in. So many times we get caught up with like preaching the gospel and preaching the good news and preach, 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 preach this, preach that, preach... If we would be lives that worship Jesus and allow this fragrance of worship to be given off in our lives, people will naturally draw near. They will be walking down the street and they'll just catch, that smells good. And they'll come into our lives and it'll give us opportunities to just share the testimony of Jesus. And next we have the, the crowd, which has already been mentioned this morning, the, the typical Palm Sunday passage in John 12, verse 12 to 16. Here the crowd wants a king without a resurrection. Resurrection wasn't what they came for as they stood on the streets chanting, Hosanna, save us, save us. The next day the great crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming. Seated on a donkey's colt or as we like to read in our house, a wild ass. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Hosanna, save us, save us. Why were they chanting Hosanna and why were they waving palm branches? I'm glad you asked. 200 years before this, there was a similar story of the Jewish revolt called the Maccabean Revolt. And the Jews revolted against the Greeks of the time. And they battled against the Seleucid Empire that was ruling and reigning and imposing Greek culture on them. And a man named Judah or Judas, depending on where you read, Maccabee led a Jewish revolt against the Greeks and the Jews won. Yay. 
in 168 BC. And it says then, when he, when he won the battle, that the people actually picked up palm branches to celebrate. And he loved this so much that he actually made a coin with palm branches on the coin. So the palm branches signified the Jewish revolt and the fact that they would be ruling and reigning and they overthrew the government at the time. Now the people again are seeing, wait, our king is coming, the Messiah is coming, let's grab the palm branches, the Messiah is going to overthrow the Roman government now. And Jesus is going to, our Messiah is going to reign in a palace built of marble and gold. And he's going to overthrow the Roman government. And so they waved palm branches and they yelled, save us, because they expected a, a, new, a new empire to be established in their Messiah. But Jesus would not come to rule and reign in a palace built of marble and gold Jesus would come to reign within our hearts. So while the people were yelling, save us, save us, in their minds, they were expecting an earthly kingdom. But prophetically, they were saying, save us, save us, save us, because the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, would die on a cross and be raised again and establish not a kingdom built in a building, but in our hearts. Our theme verse this year is that we would become a dwelling place built for God by the Spirit. That's what Jesus came to establish. Lastly, and I'll close with this, the whole world will run after Jesus. Verse 17 of John 12. Now the crowd that was with him, Jesus, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. These people just couldn't be quiet. They were causing quite a problem talking about this resurrection of Lazarus. Many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The whole world has gone after him. The Pharisees, it's like it's out of control. It's like this Jesus is causing quite the problem for us. He's resurrecting people. People see Lazarus. They believe it. They're going after Jesus. In fact, the whole world has gone after him. And the picture I have in my head is that when we see resurrection power, when we see things restored in our life, when we see things made whole in our life, when we begin to intercede for our marriages and our families and our kids and the, the brokenness that we see in the world and the brokenness that we see in community and the brokenness we see in schools and government and media and every 
part of life. When we see the brokenness and we see Jesus come into those places and begin to touch and to begin to heal. And we testify of what God is doing. Jesus' power will draw all men to himself. And, and sharing the gospel is less about a debate and it's more about just our lives being transformed. Our job is not to win people to Jesus. It's to share Jesus with people in our testimonies. I allow Jesus each day to come into my life. I allow him to sit on the throne of my life. I read his word for truth and transformation. I apply it. I connect with God. These are all attempts. I'm not perfect. But these are attempts that to allow the king of kings to rule in my life. And I'm just hoping that it gives off enough aroma of Jesus <laughs> that people turn and say, wow, what, what is that? I don't need to win, win anybody. I need to actually get out of the way and say, this is Jesus. I need to die constantly, daily, in every area of my life. I need to die enough that they see the resurrection power of Jesus, right? I mean, a resurrection needs a good death, not a quick death. Don't resuscitate me when I'm dying to something in my flesh. Just let me die a good death. Come back three days later so it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. That thought pattern, that's dead. That, that lifestyle issue, that's dead. I mean dead, dead, dead. I want it to be so dead that the stench, the story of Lazarus, it says that there was a stench coming out of his tomb. That's how dead I want those things in my life. And Jesus comes in and whew, breathes new life, restores, heals. Because the testimony of Jesus is the cross and the tomb in our experiences, in our relationships. So when you sit down at a table this week, May we stop and think about where our heart reclines. Like Lazarus, maybe we're thankful to be alive. Like Mary, maybe we recline in worship of Jesus. Maybe we are Martha, we're too busy to be at the table. 
Maybe we're Judas, we're just annoyed at everybody at the table. Maybe we're a religious leader that's jealous because we aren't being followed. Maybe we're the Jewish people who are reclining, wanting something that isn't being offered. Or maybe we're the crowd running just to get a seat at the table. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman will open the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. I will dine with her. Amen. Amen. I would like to pray for you and and if you're sitting here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to run after Jesus, to be resurrected by Jesus, and you've come in this morning with life weighing on you, looking for an answer, I want to invite you this morning to receive him, to open the door of your heart and to simply say, Jesus, Come in. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the details. I don't know what this Bible even has in it. I don't know all the stuff that people are talking about. I misunderstood most of this sermon, Lord. I'm sitting here today. I don't even know how I got here. But if you want to receive resurrection life this morning, just open your heart right now and just say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, come in. Father, I pray this morning that you would reestablish your rule and reign in my own life, Lord. I invite you to sit once again on the throne of my heart, to get rid of the things, the distractions, the thoughts, the lifestyle, Lord, the patterns, the things that I'm doing that don't belong. And I invite you to come and sit on the throne of my life again in a fresh new way, Lord. I ask you to cleanse, Lord, cleanse areas within me that need cleansing. Clear up areas that need clearing, Lord. I want to continue to run after you, Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are always willing to spend time with us, Lord. To sit with us, to dine with us, to recline with us. And I believe, Lord, that in reclining and in running, there is resurrection for each one of us this morning, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.